All aboard the gravy train! Are you riding your financial planner or broker's gravy train? Your financial prospectus outlines how brokers are allowed to charge you hidden fees. Next stop, hidden fees! Want to take back control of your retirement income? Just get off at the next stop. And tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Arif Halaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour, featuring Arif Halaby, president of Total Financial Solutions, designing higher income strategies with a conservative approach. Protecting your principal and your earnings while getting you reasonable gains and reliable income, making you confident of your retirement income planning. Arif Halaby has your answer. the Total Financial Hour. I'm Eric Halvey, your host, here every week at this time, talking about your family's financial life, trying to keep you retired when you do retire, and kind of, I don't know, get there a little sooner if you can. Well, the Total Financial Hour, we're here every week at this time. Give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE. You heard that number before, 888-99-RETIRE. The purpose of uh, giving us a call and kind of working through this system is this. In your financial life, there are going to be different phases, different moments in time. If you remember when you're young and, and you can work three jobs like I did and even sleep in your car off and on for two and a half, almost three years, I guess, uh, simply because it took too long to drive home and come back and you need to, right? There's, we do all sorts of things. I'm certainly not a martyr. There are many of you that worked multiple jobs, go to school, raise kids, single parents. Very difficult to do. But then there becomes a phase in your life when you settle into your career, and then ultimately a phase in your life when you're the old empty, empty nesters, remember that? And you're either preparing for or you already have grandchildren. But then what about that phase in your life when you say, you know, I think I can retire. I think it's time for me to retire. I think it's time for me to stop working for money, at least the same way that I did before. So that particular phase in your life, that particular time in your life, should be a time when you take less risk, at, at least for those that are interested in, I don't know, not having a challenge when you retire, that your money can go away. We see it a lot. In fact, I'm going to go over two things this morning. <clears throat> we have a two-hour special, and there's a reason for it. Number one, I want you to, to uh, take a look at some of the, the Ponzi schemes that are happening. I'm going to run this one first because I think a lot of folks are very concerned about it and and. The second hour, we're going to talk about fees. How do fees really eat up your rate of return? And in when, when your brokers or when the TV commercial says, you win when we win, and when you don't, we don't. I'm going to tell you what that really means, okay? All right, but first, why do I say Ponzi schemes? Because we're seeing more of these things happen. We're seeing time and again that the schemes, if you will, or the Ponzi schemes, like Woodbridge Financial. It's not me saying it. Two years ago, we were approached to offer this to our clients. Uh, I looked at it. In fact, I looked at it three different times over the last two, two and a half years. And each time I did, it just didn't make financial sense. The math didn't add up. It's not that difficult. Of course, they're going to pay us very well, right? Commissions are, are a big part of any financial industry or any industry, really. Fees, commissions, that's how we make a living. Fine. So why is it that in the Woodbridge world, some advisors chose to put you in it? offer it as a product, present it to their clients, 
and some didn't. Some said no, and some said yes. What's the difference? Well, listen, uh, late last year, I want to say, I don't know, maybe December or so, Woodbridge filed bankruptcy. And then shortly after that, within a few weeks, you had the SEC declared a Ponzi scheme. And the Securities Exchange Commission went in and seized all sorts of things. Why did this happen? Well, let's go through the definition of a Ponzi scheme and understand what these high-yield, quote, investments promise. Usually they promise exorbitant rates of return. Well, I'm going to teach you, well, at least in the now, uh, an hour or so, how is it to spot one of these types of schemes? Too good to be true. I love that saying. It should be on a bumper sticker at the back of your shirt, right? Too good to be true. If it is, it is. Great. Pass the salt. Come on. We're smarter than that. Let's think beyond too good to be true. What does that mean? What is too good? You know, what is good? What is too good? I don't know. So here we go. Let's get through that so you can see this. Because I think when you see and understand a Ponzi scheme, you need to understand people that promise instant riches, such as a Bernie Madoff, Sam Israel, right? Some of these guys that are out there, they are really, it's important. They are using your money to pay the last guy's money. So in other words, the goal for you is simply to make your money, put your money into the account, and you're going to earn interest. But the interest they pay you is sometimes your own money back. Sometimes it's the new guy's money that just came in the front door yesterday, and they're going to pay it at the back door for you. And in a Ponzi scheme, which is what Woodbridge was declared to be, and I've got a bunch of others I'm going to go over with you as well, because I think you need to see some of them. Because these are, are much more recent than you might think. Sometimes people think these are way back when. It's not the case. These are much more recent. So what they are is this. You are going to put money into an account. They are going to say they're investing it in something, whatever it is. Offshore, uh, oil wells, um, orange juice farms in Florida. For some reason, and I don't know exactly why, in my experience, a lot of the frauds in the Ponzi schemes either come out of Utah or Florida. I don't know if it's that order, but I see it. Those are the two main ones. You see them every once in a while. Like I'm kind of surprised this one comes out of out of California. Woodbridge is from Woodland Hills, California, San Fernando Valley. Why do I I why am I a little surprised? Because it's difficult to run a Ponzi scheme in California. We have some pretty good regulatory stuff. But if you're in another state and you drop in, look, regulators can't be there for every sing uh, every single product. They just can't. There just isn't enough of them. So you need to be uh, conscious on your own. You need to double check. You need to take a look. And here are a few things. One of the things to watch out for is the investor investment returns are abnormally high or unusually consistent. We give 1% a month come heck or high water. Really? Who can do that? Not even the best Wall Street minds. Not even uh, uh, Warren Buffett can do that. So how do you get... 1% a month. How do you get 10% a year for the last 27 years? That was the clue that Bernie Madoff had a problem. See, what Bernie Madoff did, which is very interesting, is he owned the, the front end, which was collecting the money, and the back end, which was, quote, investing the money. By doing that, he could create his own statements. And the statements that they created in-house, which was really a big part of the people that testified against him, was simple. They created it and they just put whatever numbers they wanted. Oh, yeah, it looks like you put and you made, uh, oh, 4% this month. <laughs> you can put whatever you want. Type it in, do the math, poof. You get a piece of statement. 
piece of paper that says you've, you've made a certain amount of money. Watch out for unusually consistent returns. For the risk that you're invest, I have no risk, I can't lose anything, and I'm making 10% a year. Well, maybe in 79, maybe in 82, but not today. Today, rates of return for no-risk investments are two, three, maybe three and a quarter percent. That's it. Don't expect anything more than that. Anything more than that, and you are taking risk. Now, I'm okay with risk. If it fits your profile, that's fine. But just don't think something is what it isn't. And a lot of financial guys will kind of walk you through that, and I think they do so with one eye closed. As I mentioned, when we were presented with this Woodbridge opportunity, uh, I did the math. I'm like, how can you do that? It doesn't make sense. You, you have to charge these people on these short-term loans. Let me tell you what it is here, because I'm going to come back to it a little bit later, but I want to tell you what it is. Simply what they said is there are short-term commercial loans, nine months to a year. You give money to a business, a sandwich shop. They want to open up the second sandwich shop. We go in every day that they're open, and we pull from their bank account $16.48 if that's their payment, right? So, hey, every bank, uh, uh, every company sandwich shop can afford $16.32 or $47 a day from a nail salon. Yeah, they're building their second one, the, the SBA, Bank of America. Nobody wants to give them a loan, so we are there to help. And when you do the math, that's a significant rate of return. And I said, okay, well, well, how much are they paying? In order to make this work, folks, you're looking at 25, 22, 30% returns, uh, or sorry, um, uh, rates that the, in, that the borrower has to pay. So you're telling me somebody has to pay credit card rates. And instead of going to get a credit card, they would use you. Maybe, maybe, could happen. But then why didn't they use a credit card? Well, because they maxed out their credit cards. Bing. There you go. That's when you say there's a lot more risk that all the, the traditional places say, you know what, there's something wrong with this guy or gal. We are not comfortable. Even credit card companies that, that kind of give everybody, fog me or get a credit card, right? Get 20% off today only if you buy. Anybody can get a credit card almost any time, especially today with the high rates. So now I'm, what I'm telling you is in order for these kinds of schemes to exist, the rate of, of payback has to be so significant that it's just a math problem. Now, do I think there's at least one or two or 10 people out there that need to borrow money and are willing to pay 22%? Sure, I think so. 25, probably. Shark, uh, what is that, loan shark money? <laughs> loan sharks, yeah. You make the mafia proud, Woodbridge. All right. The company, here's another problem. The company can also and does also make claims and guarantees like, we can double your money in six months. We can double your money in a year. Those are, if you are investing in a place where the market can go up and down, you need to be very careful. When I was a Los Angeles policeman, we would see scams and frauds. We would see people get taken. They would come walking out of the bank. Here's something called the pigeon drop. <clears throat> Right, In my early radio career about 14 years ago, we would talk a lot about these because it still happens. It's still happening today in upper middle class areas in Bel Air, in Bellflower, in Long Beach, in Santa Clarita, in the San Fernando Valley, in Glendale. We see it all the time. And folks, you are often not reporting it because it's embarrassing. You have a lady that comes up and says, hi, I don't speak English. I won the lotto. And they phony up a lotto ticket. 
you do your quick research, you're like, son of a gun, this is the winning. But you know, I can't, um, I can't claim it because I'm illegal. I'm here illegally. So can you do it? And I will give you half or I will give you $5,000. I'll give you 50000 You say, well, maybe I can. And they approach you outside of grocery stores, dress shops, uh, uh, nail salons, uh, malls, normal places. They're not afraid. It's not. And then this very well-dressed, very well-spoken person walks up and says, hi, what's going on? And they say, well, uh, you might say, well, this lady comes up and she speaks Spanish. And Oh, well, I speak Spanish. Or I speak Russian or I speak Croat, whatever it is. I speak Armenian. Oh, okay. Happens to be. Wow, imagine that. And they say, well, what we need to do is we can help her and we're going to work together. So this way we can trust each other. We're going to keep an eye on each other, ma'am, so that, you know, we're not going to walk away with your money. But we each need to put $5,000 into the bucket. This way, you know, we have a $50 million lotto ticket. So 5000 is nothing. So if she loses the 5000 or, you know, if you lose the 5000 so what? You have a $50 million lotto ticket. And you get the idea. What they do is they work together, right? Those two folks. I'm sharing that with you because that is in your face right now happening all over Southern California. It's a normal scam. Well, these Ponzi schemes are happening right now. Right? A year ago when we were talking about this, nobody knew that, that the Ponzi scheme of, of Woodbridge was going to be there. 10, 15 years ago, nobody knew that Bernie Madoff, he was the king of the, the world. He was the head of one of the top exchanges in, in uh, New York. Country clubs loved him. You had to fight to get him to invest your money. Ask the dozens of movie stars and wealthy people. In order to have him invest your money, you had to ask pretty please. Please take my money. Here's another sign of a Ponzi scheme. The company makes it difficult to withdraw your money. In fact, they claim things like it's frozen. Your money's frozen. You have to wait three months. You have to wait six months. I've seen this with promissory notes, with secondary markets. The moment that you invest in a promissory note, right? The moment you do that, the dollars go in and you immediately have a reduction. Why? Because it's just like other types of, of you know, mutual funds and other types of stock market investing, which means your dollars pays the commissions and the fees. So if you put in $100,000 and you die the next day, your family doesn't get 100. If you're in a mutual fund that has a 5% fee, your family gets 95,000. If you have a promissory note with a 5% fee, your family gets 95,000. So there's an immediate discount in your money. That means you have to earn interest on a lower dollar figure, higher interest on a lower dollar figure. That's why when I say Woodbridge was about math and logic, it's simple. You take your calculator, you do the math, and you say, what kind of rate of return do I really have to make after they paid commissions and fees to everybody? And the rate of return back to you, right? If you're an investor and you're going to get a rate of return, those dollars they come off the top. That means somebody's got, they got to make that money, plus they got to pay everybody else back, plus they have to pay their fees. That's why it's about math and logic. I had a lady come to my office a few years back. Upper middle class, husband was an executive at the studios, well into the six figures in income. She was a stay-at-home mom, both of them college educated. And she sits down, and in my office is where she chose to tell him, oh, by the way, this was their second appointment with me. Oh, by the way, I had invested $50,000 of our savings, and it was a scheme, and I lost money. 
Now, they had, they had a substantial amount of money, but $50,000 is a lot of money. I don't care who you are. And the $50,000 was simple enough. You had to be able to sit down and say, I'm never going to see this money again. And whatever I could have done with it, donate it to charity. If you don't think it's a lot of money, give it to charity. There's kids out there that could use it. There's organizations, there's churches, there's, there's schools, there's folks that could use 50000 Well, what happened? Simple enough, guys. It was the old Nigerian scam. Except it was a very nice lady that she met that, weaned, that worms their way into your life. If you can help me. And they start by just baiting you with a little bit of money, and they give you money back. Listen, I need $500, and I'll give you back 1000 Well, a week later, you get 1000 You say, see that? I built trust. She must be right. Until eventually they say, you know, we'll give you 400000 She thought she was going to help her children's college and do something big for the family, honorable intentions, while her husband was working very hard to provide for the family. She was going to do something so that she felt like she belonged, financially speaking, right? So be careful with Ponzi schemes. All right, what's a pyramid scheme? You guys know these? A pyramid scheme is an investment opportunity that promises members money based on the people you bring in. People, right? Remember the old uh, people would say, Amway's a pyramid scheme. It is not because they sell and move products. In fact, their products are pretty good, actually. Whether you like the business idea of it or not, that's uh, I don't, but you, you can. They do well. Some people do very darn well. The products are great. As long as you're moving products through then it is not a pyramid scheme. It's just like a normal business networking. But what a pyramid scheme does is it requires you to keep bringing in new people. And this matrix with complex, you know, bring in six people, you make this much, bring in nine people, you make this much, bring in 12 people and you make, you know, through the, those are great numbers, except you understand something. It's an arithmetic, uh, sorry, it's a, a geometrical growth. Here's what I mean by that. Within about four or five or eight generations, it's over. It's the entire planet has to be involved for everybody to make the kind of money that, that they say you're going to make. So let me, that's why a pyramid scheme cannot work. There just isn't enough people on the planet after eight or nine iterations of you bring 10 and I bring 10 and they bring 10. It's just over. Okay, so be very careful of a pyramid scheme. How do you, how do you point it out? If there isn't enough profit in the product... And the emphasis is on recruiting versus uh, the product itself. You're probably going to say there's a problem here. Second, the vi- the business has very high startup costs, $199. Well, okay, that's a lot of money. But can if you get out at any time, you realize they'll give you that money back. It's not a pyramid scheme normally, normally. $300, $100, whatever. But when the startup costs are two, three, five thousand dollars $5,000, and they say, no problem, we have our little square. You can swipe your card, and we'll take it from here. You go, hmm, hmm, right? Startup costs, watch to see. Difference between a real business opportunity of growth and a pyramid scheme. The company will not buy back unsold inventory. This was a problem way back when, when you had to run certain types of businesses, whether it be air filter systems or or uh, you know, facial products or diet products, and you were running this through your business consistently, but in order to achieve the next level, maybe you had a, a slow month. So you said, no problem, I'll buy it. And soon your garage looked like a warehouse, right? 
keep both hands on the wheel, but you can raise one, you know, one toe if, the, if this was you. And when you did that, you go, wait a second. Here I am moving this product through my business, and I'm ending up with the garage full of it. Well, today, the Ebays, the Amazons, the Let It Goes, et cetera, those places allow you to sell a lot of that product back on. But most companies today that are legit do not even have you buy inventory. It goes drop, uh, drop shipped from the company to here, boom to boom. You have to be in the sales world. You have to get out. You have to knock on the door. You have to get uncomfortable. Then, okay, maybe it's a legitimate one. Okay, here's one, guys. Here's a scam that I've seen. I'm going to get back to Woodbridge in a minute. But here's a scam that I've seen that is going to drive you crazy. High-yield offshore investments. Now, I'm going to tell you how to spot a financial guy or gal that I think, right? This is my opinion based on my experience with both in law enforcement and, and some of the, the scams that we uh, help bring to light. I'm going to tell you how to spot these guys that I think are a problem. Sometimes unwittingly, right? Sometimes these are good finance. I know some of the folks that sold Woodbridge. Some of them are good people, honest people. They love God. They love puppy dogs, their wife, their husband, their kids. That's nice. And some of them are not. Some of them are smart enough to know that the music is going to stop and they will not be the one holding the bag. All right. And sometimes these things start off good, right? We see it. Hey, good intentions. What is it? The hell is paved road is paved with good intentions or something, right? Everybody starts off good. Hey, you know what? This is going to be great. It's good. It's good for you. Good for me. Honey, we're just going to take... Remember when the lotto was, I don't know, huge, a billion dollars, a hundred billion, whatever, whatever the lotto was, $10 million. And a guy went out and refinanced his house. He took a hundred and ninety something thousand dollars, refinanced his house, 190,000 in cash. And he went and he bought 190,000 something lotto tickets. I remember this because I had just started in the financial world probably 20 years ago. Sat down. I think the most he won was like 500 bucks. Lost his home. And they have a, they show, you know, the, the media is there and they show a picture of him loading up the U-Haul van with all of the family furniture and the wife. You want to know a, a, a Titus, what is it, a, a Titus II woman? It's going to come from that woman's faith. <laughs> Because uh, unless he meets a, a, a terrible accident <laughs> on the way to their new home, right? The depth of shame that guy must have felt. One, because it's on TV, of course. Two, because it's math. It doesn't matter if you have 190,000 tickets. The people that win sometimes buy one ticket. What's the difference? It's all chance. All right, be careful. All right, here's the other one. High-yield offshore investments. We see this a lot. Con artists will often tout offshore investments. They will do things called currency arbitrage. And you go, wow, that sounded pretty good. And before I can ask a question, the guy on the phone flips to another conversation. You go, whoa, 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 back up. And he doesn't. Currency arbitrage. And let me tell you, we had a client who came in at one point uh, years ago and she said, Eric, if I had this investment, I said, well, I don't know what kind of risk it is. We need to put it on your profile. So uh, I said, let's call the company. So we called the company. And a very kind, and it, the client was working with a, a young lady. Very sweet. Oh, hi, Mrs. Jones. Oh, you're lovely. Oh, yes. Well, let me get you that information. And I said, Yeah, I just had a couple of questions. I'm not sure what it ended up. 
So she goes, well, hold on a second. Let me get that information. She forgets to put us on hold. It was like a comedy show. She forgets to put us on hold. And I muted our, our speakerphone because, you know, we were talking and just, I didn't know when she was going to come back on the phone. Well, we find out that she never put us on hold because we start hearing the background information and we're on hold. We're on mute on our side. And you hear the mouth of a sailor from this woman putting down our client, making fun of her. I, both of us stood there or sat there, I should say, with, with our mouths wide open, our eyes, we didn't know what to say. We couldn't believe it. It was, it was shocking. And then she comes back on all pleasant and kind. And Mrs. Johnson says, you know, what I'd like to do is I'd like to sell everything, please. I, I think it's time for me to move on. I was, well, okay. Never told her to do that. She could hear the same thing I could hear. So sometimes these high-pressure, phone-call-only, offshore investments, um, currency arbitrage. Well, the currency, the ruble, the we're buying uh, euros and the yen, and then we're switching and buying. It doesn't work. Hey, listen, if you have a billion dollars, or you have a hundred million, you have ten million, and you want to play with fifty thousand or a hundred thousand, go for it. I'd prefer you donate it to a great charity. But if you want to play with it and lose it, and that's your own thing. But you don't count your retire, retirement income on something that is so unreliable and in some cases fraudulent. It just doesn't work. Here's signs that these things, uh, your money's out of the country and unavailable, right? The institution promises high rates of return, like CDs, 20%, 30% interest. I see it now. Financial institutions claims that the investment is free from taxes from all countries. U.S. citizens have to pay taxes on income in any country. It doesn't matter if you live in the United States, even if you don't live in the United States and you make money, you have to pay taxes. And they'll say things like, hey, the investment is risk-free. Eh, maybe, maybe not. Be careful. Offshore investments. When we come back, how do you spot a financial person or how do you know when something's fishy? How do you know, hey, I got a problem? Uh... We might have that answer for you, I think. Grab a pen and paper. Stay with us as we return to the Total Financial Hour. Folks, give me a call if I can help you keep reliable retirement income. You can even talk to us, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. Stay with us. Eric Fallaby, the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Hey, welcome to the show, the Total Financial Hour. As we finish up this hour of the program, stay tuned because we have a second hour of the program, a special report, if you will, on uh, some of the fees, some of the risks uh, that we're seeing out there. When the market drops the way it did, is this going to last forever? Is this at the beginning of the end? Is this what they call secular bull, secular... Look, people, I I just want to go to work. I just want to make money, right? That's that's the normal theme. And all of a sudden, you're forced to become a financial genius if you want to retire or at least stay retired. So how do we make sure you don't lose half of your money when you retire? Well, I don't know about some of the places. You might lose as much as half. Here's some of the things when we talk about Ponzi schemes and scams, things to watch out for. Here's some tricks, if you will, that I've learned over the years uh, to spot one of these ahead of time. And it's really going to be through the financial advisor because that's normally or the financial representative or the financial professional. Now, each one of those terms, so you understand, uh, could mean something different. 
Okay, they could mean something different. When I use the word financial professional, that's a broader term and it could mean a lot of different folks. But here's what I want you to focus on. Number one, whatever the product is that they're offering you, they have to be licensed for that product, right? I'm not going to go to a bank teller who can open up a CD in my, for my IRA and ask her if she is a real estate agent because I'm not buying real estate. But you can't go to a stockbroker and say, hey, I want to buy real estate unless she has a real estate license, right? Do you see the difference? There has to be a license for the product in which they're selling. I wouldn't care if I'm not buying real estate from my, from my stockbroker if they have a real estate license. It's not their thing. It's not what they do. Find somebody that is an expert in the field in which you are looking at growing your wealth. Don't go through life thinking that any financial professional is supposed to be good at everything. We want you to believe that in the industry. Well, I can do this. I can do soups, nuts. I can do... uh, uh. Folks, no way. Trust your gut. The next thing that I think is very important is trust your gut. You should never feel rushed. If a financial professional is trying to rush you into something, this week only... Now, there are products that have uh, time frames, right? Windows where they're giving bonuses or specials or they, or you're trying to buy a piece of real estate or you know, a house and, and there's six offers on it and if you don't bid on it by Friday, it's probably going to be gone. Okay, well, those things are legitimate. But if it's some sort of investment scheme or scam or something, folks, there's no reason to rush. You say, listen, thank you for the information. Today you can do research, right? Everybody's got these things, these technical things called the internet. You can do all the research you want. You'll find out the good, the bad, the ugly. You go home, you check Google or Yahoo or Bing, you go through that process and you say, it is right for me for some or part of my money or all of it, whatever you choose, or it isn't right for me. I don't want you to feel rushed like if you don't move today, you know, that the deal is off the table. That's silly. All right? That's another thing. Third, watch out for guilt. Watch out for guilt. Sometimes advisors will use guilt. Now, where I have seen some of the scams, and this is one that, that uh, <clears throat> was in the San Fernando Valley. So about $14 million, I think, was the scam before it got busted. When a client came to me and said that they had put $500,000 in this scam, I was like, you're kidding me. The problem was it was his son-in-law. Yeah, that was exciting. So when he first sat down with me and we're trying to go through his financial uh, you know, profile stuff, his risk stuff, he says, oh, but I have 500000 here, but I don't want to talk about it. It's, it's over there. It's not, I'm not going to move it. I'm not going to. Okay, fine. What is it? It's on a money market account. I'm earning, I think he said, 2 or 3% interest. All right, fine. So we counted it as such. A year, maybe two years later, he was coming in, right? We do checkups. Our job is to do checkups. It's to check in with you every six months, every year, depending on how often you want it. There's no, never a fee, so you can come in every month if you want. It doesn't matter to me. And he says, well, Eric, I think there's a problem because I tried to get some money out of this account and it's not working. I said, what do you mean? And then I found out it was his son-in-law that was the uh, advisor on it. And it turned out it was started out legitimate, started out as an honest, and the son-in-law had some investment strategy and used the guilt and the grandchildren probably to, to make it so this guy would invest. And so he did. Knowing that, you know, not tr- trusting his gut, saying this kid is not that smart, but, you know, who knows? Maybe it's just me looking at it through the, f- the filter of a, a father 
wanting his daughter to marry the best person possible. Well, the guilt ended up, in his case, losing over half a million dollars. Kind of stinky, huh? The next thing I want you to pay attention to and why this is really important, look at the advisor's track record. Listen, lightning can strike once. People can invent a widget, right? And suddenly yesterday they were a a plumber and tomorrow they're a millionaire, right? Those things can happen. They do. But if a financial person is new to the industry and they have this amazing, awesome, incredible thing, and in this process, it loops you down this road of getting ripped off, you're going to look back and say, this guy couldn't even tie his shoes, and I'm giving him $100,000 or more? Let me give you some of the examples of some Ponzi schemes. 1996, some of you may have been taken in this one, the Bennett Funding Group raised hundreds of millions of dollars to purchase equipment leases and promissory notes. 1996, all right. Here's another one. Greater Ministries in Florida. There's some of your guilt, right? Religious guilt. $500 million is what they lost. A promise by the church elders, don't worry, we'll pay back. Listen, I think there's some, there's, this is a fairly common, you're going to see this a lot more. Do not give money to the pastors or the elders of the church. Make sure there's a team of people that are accountable, not one person. I don't know where you attend or if you even attend, but just make sure you understand human beings run churches just like human beings run companies, right? You want accountability. You want transparency. Can I see things? I want to see paperwork. Are they releasing their their, their budgets and their expenses? Here's another one. This is a big company, Raymond James. Oh, wait, did you hear about that one before? They failed to supervise one of their brokers. $6.9 million is what they were fined. Not because they did anything wrong, but this guy used the name of a big company. Raymond James, solid company, been around for a long time. One of the brokers worked for them. You can't control every single person, every single activity of every single person. So just because they have a big name behind them, it doesn't mean they're less susceptible to falling for a scam. $44.5 million this broker did. $44.5 million. And he transferred it to himself and his wife fled to uh, the Caribbean and got caught and was extradited back. Went to jail. Not for very long, you know, just a few, I don't know, six years or something. Should have gone forever, but... How about this one? In 2006, May, Financial Advisory Consultants, Lake Forest. Hey, that's right around here, guys. Lake Forest, they took $311 million dollars over a 20-year period of time. So when I say that just because you, know, you, don't, you don't want somebody without a track record, Bernie Madoff was doing his scam for a very long time. Woodbridge was for 15 years. So that is not just the only criteria. Oh, it's been around. Well, they could have been a crook for a long time. You don't know. So that's one of the criteria, but not the only one. Remember, I gave you the other ones, the guilt. I want you to watch out for uh, some of the other things. All right, here's another one. Bernie Madoff, right? December 2008. He went to prison. $65 billion. Everybody knows that. What a name, right? Madoff. What'd you do? I made off with people's money. How much? $65 billion. Oh. His, one of his sons, who, who supposedly was an unwitting participant, didn't go to jail, but the name was so tainted he ended up killing himself. Right? What shame. You bring shame on your family. 
That was December 2008. Here's another one. Some of you might have fallen for an ATM Ponzi scheme. This was only $123 million called Nationwide Automated Systems, NASI, Nationwide Automated Systems Incorporated. $123 million ATM Ponzi scheme. December 2017, there it is, just a few months ago, Woodbridge, 8,400 investors between $1.2 and $1.5 billion. Robert Shapiro, not the same attorney but uh, that I know of. I don't think it's the same guy at all. $1.2 to $1.5 billion Ponzi scheme, Woodbridge. Folks, there are people who sold this who should have known better. Now, I'm not saying they're culpable, but it's a math problem, right? When we claim in any industry... If your plumber comes and claims to be an expert because he saw somebody uh, do electrical on the same job he was doing plum- plumbing, watched a, a DYI network uh, show, and then you know did a YouTube video on the way in here and during his lunch break, and you say, oh, Mr. Plumber, I'm going to save money. While you're fixing my sink, do you mind running a new electrical thing uh, you know, next to the bathtub? Huh. How do you think that's going to work out? They both say contractor. Stay with experts. I know, listen, some of my friends don't like it when I say this. You want the best stockbroker? You find the best stockbroker. I don't want the best stockbroker who also can give me a mortgage, who can also give me life insurance, who can do annuities, and by the way, Woodbridge, and then he can also give me, manage my money for 1.25%. Really? Really? Wait till you see next hour of the show when I tell you how the fees eat the daylights out of your, your gains. And it's a trick. Listen, folks, they don't like me. I know that. I get it. Well, at least they don't like what I'm saying. Because this is your money. Right? A lot of us have been taken in scams. Why do you think I started in this business? If you heard it, I'll tell you again. Maybe some of you haven't heard the first you know, few shows. But I got taken in not one but three different scams. Why do you think I'm passionate about this? I was the victim. I was the smart know-it-all kid. And they took my money. So I said, if I'm that smart, I better go get licensed and figure out why this happened. It was only 21 years, 20, uh, uh, 23 years ago. January, 2000, uh, January 16th, 2018, just recently, a month and ago, a month ago, right? BitConnect, BitConnect, like Bitcoin, it's called BitConnect, promised a 1% per day <laughs> increase. Now, they're still investigating. We'll see. But the value dropped from $2 billion to $130 million in six hours. When something drops, money doesn't just disappear. It goes from one pocket to another pocket. Somebody is probably driving a really nice car, flying in a really nice private plane right about now. I don't know what's going to happen. Was that just a bad investment deal? Right? Your brother-in-law is a mechanic, decides to open a pizza restaurant. Sorry that didn't work out. Huh. You lost money. That's not maybe a fraud. That's just a bad business decision. Is this one of those? We don't know. January 16th just happened. So the SEC and the, and the FINRA and all these folks are probably doing their investigations and Department of uh, Corporations and whoever else might be involved. <clears throat> probably even the FBI. Who knows? All right. So stay away from too good to be true. 1% per day value. Now, here's the problem with a lot of these Ponzi schemes. You might have said, whew, boy, did I dodge a bullet there. I had money in the Woodbridge scam, uh, but I got out a year ago. 
I got out three years ago. I got out eight months ago. Doesn't matter. The trustees do something called a clawback. Bernie Madoff made that famous, right? What they did is they went or they go, they grab the money. Listen, you sold. You got your 100000 You made 110 You were done. Gone. You might have put it, paid for your daughter's college. You, you might have bought a car. You might have bought a house. That's what you needed it for. You did it part-time. You set it aside, and now you needed it. Now you spent it six months, a year ago. The trustee can, and usually does, go back in, claw back those dollars, and you get a letter in the mail. People are getting them as we speak. Right now, they should be getting letters in the next who knows when, if they haven't already, that says, it has come to our attention that you participated in the Woodbridge scheme, knowingly or unknowingly, I'm, I'm you know, summarizing the, the letter here, knowingly or unknowingly, you participated in a Ponzi scheme, which means we now want that money back. So write us a check for the 110000 And once it's all in a bucket, everybody gets their percentage of the whole. Whoever is still out money puts in a claim, files a claim either through bankruptcy court or through their lawsuits or whatever they do, will now get a piece of that money back. So in other words, you may not even get any of that 110000 back, maybe a very small portion of it. And you say, but I spent it. Take out a loan. I spent it. Tough luck. Liquidate a 401k. I think the agents and the brokers that sold this are, are, are just beginning to know that this two-year saga isn't even really beginning. This is a big deal, folks. This is a problem. And you have to be careful. So stay with what you know. Don't get outside of the expectations. You want to stay in the stock market? Fine. Just know it can go up and down. You want to stay in indexed annuities, what we do? Fine. You're going to earn 3 to 6%, sometimes 0, sometimes 10, maybe 4, maybe 2, maybe 1, maybe 10, maybe 14. But that's it. Some years you're going to earn a lot, comparatively, right? 10 or 12. Some years you might earn 0. The average is going to be between 3 and 6. We never lose your principal. We never go backwards. If we go up, we go up slowly. You need money, it's there. That's what we do. Why did I choose to focus on that and become an expert in that field? Simple. Because a very strong foundation, when 2000 and, uh, 2000 and 2001 and two hit, it rocked clients' financial stability. What happened in 2007, 2008, 2009? People were going to retire or they were just retired or they were planning to retire or they were hoping to retire. And when the market came and collapsed and people lost what they worked their life for, some of it they lost half, some half uh, returned, who knows? When your food, shelter, clothing comes from your investments, it's okay to be safe. When it comes from your income, then... Let your investments go up and down. You're buying them anyway. You're buying and buying a little bit more, buying a little bit less, called dollar cost averaging. Let that happen. When your food, shelter, clothing comes from your income, you cannot afford your income to go up and down 10% a month. Hey, this week I'm making 5% less than I made last week. Oh, this week I'm making 10% more. Oh, this week I'm making... That's different, right? Your food, shelter, clothing comes from your job. But as you're retired, your expenses are now paid for buy your, your retirement assets, or at least a big portion of it. So you can't afford those fluctuations. You can't afford those declines. They just can rock your, your financial stability 
significantly, and that's a problem when you have predictable expenses. Predictable expenses needs predictable income. If you have expenses that go up and down and you don't care, well, that's fine. Let that happen. All right. Here's another thing I want to focus on when we talk about some of the uh, financial scams, ways to spot it. You heard me talk about guilt, rushing you. Sometimes the too good to be true, right? Those are some of those things. What's another one? When a financial professional claims to be an expert in things that don't seem related, like I'm an expert at fixing your car and I'm an expert at painting your house. Well, that's nice, but you wouldn't hire me to do both, right? Okay, that's nice. You're good at a lot of things, Arif, but what are you great at? What is your area of excellence? What are you supposed to be known for? What are you good at? So I would say be careful when you have a financial professional who says that they can do everything. Maybe they're licensed to do everything, right? So they pass that test. Remember one of the scams. Are they licensed for what they're selling? Maybe they're licensed for it, but are they good? Are they great at it? Because I think in today's world, it's complicated enough where it's difficult to be great at a lot of things. If it's closely related, stocks and bonds, okay. Life insurance, annuities, okay. You could be great at those two things. You could be great at those two things. Uh, Commercial and residential property. You could probably be great at those things, right? CDs and savings accounts at a bank. Okay, you could be great at those things. But when you're talking to me about CDs and real estate, huh, those seem to not be connected. You follow me on that? This is important because a lot of you think you you should and could only have one financial professional. Maybe that's your situation. I don't know. But I think you need to have a CPA who handles the taxes, not a CPA that handles taxes and your retirement accounts. Why? Because your CPA is busy. Try to get a hold of them right now, <laughs> between now and you know April 17th this year. And if they do corporate returns, how about till uh, September, right? Try to get a hold of them August, September when the second set of returns are done or due or the extensions for corporations, right? Or October if the second set of corporation uh, or sorry, individual returns are due, right? Because their CPA, their job is to handle taxes. You want a professional. You don't want an attorney to also be your CPA who's also doing your real estate transactions, who's also handling your stockbroker and your annuities and your life insurance. You would say, Arif, that, that person is one step above Einstein. So you might be asking, Arif, why am I, why am I even saying this? Because I found this this week had a gentleman come to me who says, Arif, I've worked with the guy. I lost $50,000 in, in Woodbridge. Folks, you know who he is if you listen to the, the station. I lost $50,000 in Woodbridge. I said, what are you talking about? What are you doing? In, you make more money than you need to live on, right? His expenses are less than a third, and that's if he spends a lot. He has more money saved than he needs to. I said, what are you, what are you taking that kind of risk for? You don't need that kind of risk. I was, here it is. I was told there was no risk to it, and I would make 5% a year. I said, are you kidding me? He says, oh, yeah, I was told no risk. Well, let me share something with you guys. The California pension system is so messed up. Most pension systems, if they earn 7.5%, return average, they're never going to have a problem. Right? But... So five is pretty darn close. 
You're telling me that somebody can can promise you a 5% return without any risk and surprise, it goes backwards. Another gentleman came to me this week. I'm going to cover this the second hour of the show because I want you to know these details. Came to me this week with his uh, variable annuity. Not one, but three of them. Okay. Arif, I was told my fees are $45 a year, but because I had 800000 in each one of these accounts and a million in another one, uh, that, I, that I pay nothing. They waive the $45 fee. I said, okay, well, what, what, do you, what is your fee for? He said, well, the fee, the $45, was you know, the paperwork fee, but they said they would take care of it. Wait till you find out what the fees were. Folks, I, I love men and, and uh, you know, husband and wife uh, arguments, right? They're right in front of me. When men and women fight in front of me, that's a tough thing to say, right? Not. And when you see the arguments, because a broker decided to not communicate the fees. I'm not saying it's wrong for him. I don't know. But you have to realize, just know what it is. If an account has a, has a substantial amount, I don't care. Listen, if you charge me $4,000 a month and you make me $20,000 a month, you could have four. Make me 20, I'll keep 20, you keep, right? I'll keep 16, you keep four. I could do that deal all day long. You would do it. Take away a zero, right? Make me 2,000, I'll give you 400. Um, it's okay, I think that's all right. I could do that. I'm at home, you're working, so you're going to make some money. But don't tell me that that's not happening. And when people take risks that they don't need to take, sometimes it benefits the broker a heck of a lot more than it does you or the Wall Street company or the agency or supervisors or whoever these people are. So just make sure that it's right and suitable for you. Don't follow, listen, this whole Department of Labor fiduciary rule. I love it. It's a good thing. If we work with retirement accounts, we're fiduciaries as well. Got it. That's what our job is. But don't let the, the, the broker's mouth move and say the word fiduciary and then say, oh, then let me open my wallet and give you, a, you know, the, the, a signed blank check. Who cares? There's a million financial products. You can tell me this guy's great at everything. He, he or she is still going to tell you and, and offer you the products that they're familiar with. They can't offer you everything under the sun. That's not their job. They don't know that. You don't want somebody to do that. I say, listen, what are you great at? That's what I want you to talk about today. You stay with us at the second half of the hour. I'm going to get into the fees, and I'm going to tell you this week's clients, uh, customers, potential stuff that happened. I don't think you're going to be happy. Wait till you find out. And these aren't dummies, you guys. Don't think that, that they're dummies. That's the hardest part of what I do when we say, hey, folks, there's some bad guys out there, and they can take you. It's not always a Ponzi scheme. It's not always somebody with a cloak and dagger and a a pipe and a little hat. Sometimes they wear business suits. Be very careful. We we, we have more when we come back. The Total Financial Hour. Give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. I'm Eric Hallaby. The Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. back. Welcome to the show, Total Financial Hour, the second hour, special show. 
I ran the Ponzi scheme. I wanted to talk about the Ponzi scheme show first. And the reason I did that, normally that's my second hour because it's such a, a hot topic. I wanted some of you that, that normally tune into our show just to hear that. Because sometimes folks uh, uh, will, will purposely sit down to tune into our show. And it's very important. I want you to do that specifically because these scams are happening more and more. I don't know why. I, I don't know if, if people are just unhappy with making the rates of return. I don't blame them. The rates of return that a savings account or a CD can make you where you think it's safe. But there are other things out there. If it, if it fits right, there are fixed annuities, fixed indexed annuities. Safely, right? Earn your interest, not go backwards. That's what we do. My job is to not be the financial guy. Listen, we were licensed for almost not quite everything under the sun, but, but a lot of different things. And the reason why why I think that's not the right way to go anymore, and it's been 21 years since uh, I started in the financial world, so there's a little bit of maturity that goes on. I think because you need an expert in what you do. If you have questions on retirement accounts and keeping it safe and uh, 401ks and Roth IRAs, et cetera, give us a call at 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. 997-3847. If you have a more private question, you can even call during the week. That number goes right, uh, right to my, home, my office. We have locations in Glendale and Simi Valley, uh, the Antelope Valley, Valencia, Santa Clarita, and down in Orange County and, and in Long Beach as well. So, folks, here's what's kind of important. I want to touch on a few things that happened this week, and I try to do that every week. Uh, you guys are, are amazing. Some of you come in as clients, or you come in to learn and, and want to talk more about some of the financial stuff. And I think that's important to always ask questions. Well, let me explain something to you that I think happened uh, because of a conversation we had on the show. And here's what it was. We said, listen, guys, there's no reason for you to pay fees to accounts for, for a service or a product that you just don't need. Here's a great example. Client has $10.5 million net worth. A lot of money. No question. Worked hard. Saved. Done well. Smart people. $10.5 million net worth. They had three main accounts. They had other accounts as well, but three main accounts. So they told me what the number was, and immediately off the bat, I did some quick math. and I said, you're probably paying over $100,000 in fees. And I said, oh, well... You got to be kidding. That's impossible, right? The same thing you would say. You're kidding me? No way. I said, Yeah, I bet you're paying six to $8,000 a month. I think that's what I said. Six to $8,000 a month in fees, probably as much as $100,000 a year. <clears throat> so we don't have a house payment. We don't, a rental property doesn't have a payment. We, well, somebody's making $6,000 a month? You got to be kidding. I said, Well, you know, maybe it's worth it, right? Maybe you're buying something and you're using it. So that's fine if it, if it fits your needs. But let's take a look. They present. Account number one. Listen, there are some great companies. They are A-rated. There's a purpose for their product. I get it. But folks, when it pays the agents more money, or it's the only way that they were taught to sell, is to everybody fits into the same company, the same product, the same week, then maybe that, maybe, it's not right for you. I don't know. And that particular account, you ready for this number? $2,400 a month in fees. It was about $800,000. It's not me saying it. We called the company. Speakerphone, dialed it, filled in my little sheet. I tell you, 15 minutes. We can find out. We call the company. We pull it in. Name, address. Can you talk to... Is, do I have your permission, Mr. Jones, to talk to Eric Hallaby? Yes, we do. Okay, go ahead. Ma'am, I have a question this. How about this? 
Okay, so the fees are 3.75 times this number. So how much is that? It's this much per year. And how much is that per month? Divided by 12, right? $2,400 a month. Now listen, they don't always charge the fees monthly. That's why they get away with it, I think. Because some of them are quarterly, some are annual, some are... So all we look for is the the generalities. Let's, Let's get... If we wanted to do basic, you had to do every single day times 0.0013. Forget it. About how much per month am I paying in fees? Because that's how you pay your electric bill. That's how you receive your pension payment. That's how you pay your social security. You receive social security is monthly. You don't do it in percentages. And a lot of the financial guys and gals, on purpose or on accident, will use percentages when it's in their best interest and dollar figures when it's in your best interest. For example, it's in your best interest to not think that they're making very much money. So I'm only getting paid one and a quarter percent plus the uh, 12B1 plus the uh, uh, the income rider and the M&E charges. So it's only, you know, by the time it's all done, it's, you go, okay, well, 1.1, 1.6, 1.0. Okay, that's, I could do that. Second account, about $2,100 in fees, 2100 about another 850000 Third account, $1.1 million. It's a brokerage account. Goes up and down, sometimes $100,000 sometimes in a week. It's great when it goes up, right? Everybody thinks they're the smartest guy in the world, right? That's what, Listen, in 1996, I started saving and investing for, for our clients. In 1986, I was doing it for myself, the end of the year, 86, so probably December. So by the time you look at that, let's say 87, right? I was the smartest guy because it went up. I bought my first house in uh, 1991. Right? Look how smart I am. Why do you think I got taken in scams? Because I wasn't paying attention to the math. Right? A 28-year-old kid, 26-year-old kid. I say kid, but... And so here we are looking at this particular product... And I don't know how old the agent was. I don't know. And then I think they're nice people. They love God, probably. They love their, their, their kids. Oh, that's all good. But is the product right for you? Here's why that matters. Because sometimes these products are paying somebody who was in elementary or in junior high school when you were the one that was leaving your family in the middle of the night, working hard, working double shifts, working overtime. You saved that money. You put it into an account. Why should that person continue to be able to fee, fee that account not once, but every single year. You're feeing the same money. If you made me money, then you made me money. Then it's over. It's done. You made me money. Thank you. You made some. I made some. But why are you feeing the base, the same dollar, every single year? And here's the trick, folks. I hear this. I don't know if they know what they're saying because I see it on TV and they know that that there are smart people out there. It's not like they're saying it to one person when they can say, oh, this guy's not going to get it. And here's what they say. We are tied to you. We make money when you make money. When you have a bad year, we have a bad year. What does that mean? It means when your account goes from uh, from six hundred thousand to eight hundred, they get paid more fees. But when it goes from six hundred to to four hundred, you lost two hundred thousand. Oh, but don't worry, they still make twelve grand. <laughs> like what? Why are you making anything? You just lost two hundred thousand dollars of my money. Why? Why should you make anything? Unless I'm buying, so, you know, what am I buying? I'm buying you to hold my account. Got it. Send me statements. Got it. I'm, I'm buying a, a website so that you can, you know, 
I can check it anytime, anywhere. Okay, then just know that's what you're buying. But you understand, look, I, I say this a lot, and some of it is tug-in-cheek, right? If Joy Behar can say something stupid and then go, ha, 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 I know I just put down a, one of the largest religions in the world where, where Christ is the center, and uh, I can do that. But if I said it about, well, why, why doesn't she say it about Islam? I don't know. Interesting, huh? They can say almost anything and then go, ah, just kidding, I'm a comedian. See why y'all take me seriously? I think there should be some accountability. So I, I'm not a comedian. So when I tell you, you know, take me seriously, I guess. I'm a sit-down comedian. If you look at watching us on Facebook, because I'm sitting down. <laughs> 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. All right, here, here's where I'm going with this. If you have a financial professional that tells you things like that, ready? Here's what it is. Don't worry when the market goes down, it is a paper loss. And you say, well, I could, I, okay, I got that. It is a paper loss. Then intellectual honesty tells us that that person better be saying when the market goes up, you didn't make anything because it's a paper gain. I'm okay if you have it both ways. But that's not what happens. When you call up, you say, hey, what's my account? He goes, well, you made $100,000. Like, well, I made $100,000. That's great. But when it goes down, it says, well, the account is down, but don't worry, it's a paper loss. Well, Mrs. Broker, then wasn't it only a paper gain? I'm okay with it both ways as long as it's consistent. And then I can make an honest decision for me and my family. It's okay, whatever it is, right, if I've chosen that risk. But don't tell me something is something that it isn't. Because then it's a shell game, right? Now it's, is it a good account or not? Should I make, am I making money or am I not? Because what you're buying or what you should be buying, listen, it's not me saying it. It's Kramer. It's Motley Fool. It's Susie Orman. These people all say the same thing. Put your in account. Bob Brinker, you guys know him. He's on another station. Good guy. These guys are all smart people, very wealthy, successful in their own right. Some of them are licensed. Susie Orman and, and uh, uh, Kramer are, aren't licensed anymore, I don't believe. I know Kramer. I know Susie isn't. Neither is Dave Ramsey. But they all say the same thing. Listen, do this. Go out. Find a nice index fund, whatever they're saying, right? Indexed account, index fund, where the market goes up, you could earn some interest, right? It's safe, but you're not paying the management fees. You might still be in the market, so you could lose money. What we do is a fixed indexed annuity. Your money goes up when the market goes up. When it goes down, we don't lose a penny. But you may not get all the gains, right? And if you take out 10% a year, no problem. No penalty, no fees, no problem. You want to take out more than 10% a year, then you might pay a fee. Not always, but you might. And you look at it and say to yourself, well, how do I make sure that it's there when I need it? Well, you do a couple of things. You don't have all of your eggs in one basket, right? You don't. My mom used to work on a, uh, used to live on a farm. She's a little girl in Michigan. That's where she met my dad. Little girl in Michigan lived in the back house of a farmhouse from her grandparents and her job was to sell eggs, right? They, they, the farm sold eggs. They had chickens. They sold eggs. Penny a each or whatever their price was. And they purposely never carried all the eggs to the street, right? That little street, uh, little street cart thing. People come by. It was an honest. It was a, an integrity system, right? The policy was if you took fruits or vegetables or, or eggs or whatever, you put in money in the little thing. 
But why wouldn't she carry all the basket, all the eggs at one time? Because as a little girl, if she tripped and fell before going to school, she would lose all of the eggs. The entire family's money was gone for that day. So you wouldn't do that. It's the same thing. Spread it out. Keep a little bit safe, a little bit at risk. You want some real estate? Fine. You want some uh, savings account? Of course. Here's another part that's kind of fun. Ready for this? When the gentleman came to me this week, he said, Eric, listen, I've been saving and investing my whole life. No wife, no children. Not really a whole lot of beneficiaries. That's okay. It happens. I'm seeing, I'm seeing it more and more. But I don't know why. It just happens to be that way, I guess. I want you to start thinking about leaving a legacy. Listen, all of us say we have to take care of our husband or our wives first, right? I got gotcha. you. Got to take care of your children. I understand that. Maybe your grandchildren, even great-grandchildren. But what I don't want you to do is to forget about leaving a legacy outside of yourself. It might be a ministry that you support. It might be a pet adoption. Maybe it's AIDS research. Maybe it's cancer research because of something close in your family. But leaving a legacy is very important. Because if you do something greater than yourself, then you start not being as greedy, right? Because I think that's what what it is sometimes. Let's just call it what it is. If you don't need to make more money to live, food, shelter, clothing, you're not going to fly around on private jets. You're not waiting to make the next million dollars so you can buy the mansion in, in wherever. You're just trying to preserve, to grow your wealth reasonably, consistently, stay away from the noise that's happening in Korea and uh, and. Uh, you know, the stock market and oil prices and who knows what's happening with Iran. Forget all that crazy. You just want your family to live. Then don't take the kind of risk. I just don't think you need to. But don't forget about a legacy. I think you should prayerfully consider it. There are, some, there are many of you that are secular, that are atheists, or at least agnostic out there. Uh, and that's okay. You don't have to give to a church or a charity. There are plenty of non-religious, non, uh, uh, oh, I don't know, non-Christian, unchristian, whatever, not un, but let's say non-Christian uh, groups out there. Think about it like this. What matters to you? What made a difference? For me, it was one guy when I was 18 years old who said, I can help you become successful if you just listen to me. Why do you think I do what I do? I love teaching. I love speaking. I love helping and mentoring young people. Right? Who else is going to do it? Somebody did it for me and made a difference in my life. One of the things that I require when I help mentor young people is this. And I can't do it to a lot of folks. Four, five, six at a time. That's about it. I say, one day you're going to have to sit on this side of the table. And you're going to have to teach other people. You're going to have to mentor. You're going to have to guide. Whatever it is, you're going to have to share your wisdom. For many years, we did it through scouting. Right? My boys are in Boy Scouts. Order of the Arrow, some of you know that. Both of those are, are both of them are uh, vigil members of the Order of the Arrow, the highest you can get. It's a pattern of service, pattern of, pattern of integrity. Who is it that you want to receive some or part of your money? Another story, a gentleman uh, passed away late, late last year, summer, late, late summer, I guess. He left his money to three different groups. One, to one of our clients, because he had no wife or children. He had a a sister that he he left some money to. He left money to a mission group. And he left money, believe it or not, to a group that does one thing. 
and it reaches people in remote areas of the world. When you reach people in remote areas of the world, this man has passed away. But the half a million dollars or so that he left behind to that organization can reach people for decades. I mean, it can change an entire village. You understand that? So these are differences that people can make that can go on for a very long time. Uh, you have a question about legacy. You have a question about you know beneficiaries, et cetera. That's very important. You check that out. 888-99-RETIRE. Give me a call if you have a question. 888-997-3847. I'm going to tell you a story. You ready for this? Oh, God. Early in my career, uh, I get a call from a client. And she says, uh, Arif, I, I got this uh, check in the mail. And it looks like it's coming from your uh, from your company. It's an insurance company. I said, I, why would we send you a check? She said, it's... It's two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I said, "What? We didn't. We didn't send it." I said, "It's probably a scam." I, she happened to be on the way. I was coming back from uh, San Diego visiting my wife's family, and I said, "You know what? I'm going to be driving by your house on Sunday on my way back. Why don't I just stop and pick up the pick up the check? I'll take a look at it. At least we'll see what I can find out." Okay. So I stop. I take a look at it. Go, oh, it looks kind of real. I go tomorrow morning. I'll make some phone calls. We'll see what it is all what it's all about. So the next Monday, Monday comes. We give them a call. The company. And here's what we find out. Her uh, husband, she was married when she was 18 and her husband was 19. He got a job at the city of Los Angeles. Put her down as the beneficiary. They were married about a year and a half, two years. Then they divorced. No children, went their separate ways. Their mothers stayed in touch because they knew each other from junior high and high school. So their mothers stayed in touch. But that was about it. She went on married for 25 years children in high school and college. He went on and married for 25 years. He was a pretty bright guy and continued to promote within the city, continued to raise his life insurance, raise his life insurance, raise his life insurance, but never changed his beneficiary. So when she passed, when he passed away unexpectedly, really in his uh, early fifties, he passed away and left 250000 in life insurance from the city, the city's plan, to her. He didn't mean to do that, right? He didn't even know her. They haven't even spoken in 25 years. So when we found out about it, I said, oh, here's what happened. And you have two choices. You can recuse the check, deny it. It goes back to the company. And then the company uh, finds next of kin, and it goes to his estate, which would be his wife and his, his, his new wife and his children. Or you can keep the check. And cash it. It's tax-free money. You can do whatever you want with it. So, of course, what do you think she did? I mean, come on, you guys. Yeah, she kept the check. She kept the $250,000 check. I was like, oh, are you kidding? She's like, no, it's, you know, uh, it's my money. I was like, okay, I guess guess it is. So uh, there's nothing you can do. Beneficiaries on life insurance and retirement accounts, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, 403Bs if you work uh, for the school district, TSPs, thrift savings plans if you work for the federal government. Those accounts, those accounts, they go directly to whomever you choose. The the beneficiaries receive them and they receive them. It's over. Uh, If it's a taxable account, like it's a 401k, then those folks have to pay taxes, or at least it's subject to whatever tax bracket they're in. If it's a Roth IRA or a life insurance policy, and there's no taxes on it, right? It just goes directly to them. Why is that important? What is the moral of the story with the tor- tortoise and the hare in this particular case? The moral of the story is simple. Number one, 
you must make sure that your beneficiaries are up to date. You have to. A client that came in this week had an old um, uh, 401k plan, and it had been transferred and then transferred and transferred again. So the time that he had worked for the company, it had changed hands from Fidelity to ING. And so a couple of different companies over the years, Vanguard. And on the bottom of it, it said, no beneficiary on file. And he said, well, yeah, I have a beneficiary. I said, well, how long have you worked at this company? The same thing. He said, 25 years. I said, well, it says there's no beneficiary on file. Now, they might have to do the paperwork and track it backwards. Or you can just call the company or fill out a form and add whomever you want as a beneficiary, your wife, your children, whoever you want. So make sure that the beneficiary is who you want it to be. Very simple to do. If you have a retirement plan at work or wherever you might have it or an annuity, or you have a life insurance policy at work or wherever you might have it, especially if it's a second marriage. And ladies, I'm talking to you because usually you're the one that's out the money. (laughs) In this particular case, the wife and two kids of the original guy didn't receive anything. He thought he had sufficient life insurance which he might have, right? This I'm going back to the late 90s when this happened. He might have had enough for himself and his family to pay off his house or whatever it is that he wanted to do with the money. But do not think that you're thinking something, you know, don't think that these dollars are just going to go to whoever you think they're going to go to. You're dead. You're gone. <laughs> Somebody else is going to make that decision. All right, hey, let's go over a couple more fees. If you have any questions, give me. I'm supposed to keep giving you this phone number, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847. All right, here's part of the reason that fees and risks in the process of your uh, saving for retirement, and even post, right now you're retired, do you still need the same kind of risk that the fees bought? Because the fees might say, hey, listen, we're going to take a risk, but man, you could win big. Okay, I'm willing to take that chance. But do you still need that risk when you retire? Is it worth it to have your husband or your wife or whoever's left your children or grandchildren take a big loss? The other part of it is what level of expertise do you have to have? We had a gentleman who does a lot of trading and he buys and sells and buys and sells his own stocks. And that's fine. But I ask his wife, what do you know about this? And she says, nothing. So if he has a stroke or if he passes away or if he's incapacitated, who do you think has to make this, the decisions when to buy and sell and how to buy and sell? It's his wife. So make sure that if you decide to be your own investment professional, that you have a backup plan if you pass away or you're incapacitated so that your spouse can do whatever she needs to do or he needs to do with those monies, right? Pretty important. We see that as a, as a gaping hole sometimes. All right, here's the reason that fees and risks in retirement or approaching retirement is not it's not a good thing. Number one, the money's gone and it cannot earn interest ever again. Once you pay a fee, it is gone. It is, leaves your pocket and goes to them. That means your account drops in value, goes into the broker or the agency's pocket. They get to make the decision of what happens to it. It's their money. They can buy their car. They can pay their electric bill, put their children in college. They can do whatever they want. You need to ask yourself this. Do I pay any fees when there is a loss that year? Do I pay any fees? What are you buying? Ask that. What am I buying, Mr. Broker? Well, you're buying our expert manager fee. Okay, so then why do you ever take a lunch break? 
Well, you're buying our expertise. In the, okay, so you can never play golf on Wednesday, and you better not go to the restroom. You better not ever take a vacation. You better be sitting on that chair watching my life savings. And then he'll say, well, it's not really what we do. I'm not the one that you're paying me, but you're also a portion of the fees go to the managers, and these guys are experts, and they sit in a closet all day long and babysit your money. No, they don't. It's a computer, computer. And they buy and sell, and the computer buys and sells. And they do their thing, and you know some guy somewhere in Chicago and uh, you know New York. He's he's out there, and and she's uh, doing her own thing. Oh, that's great! All of them are out there doing what? And at a recent public gathering, when one of the brokers says, "I don't do anything," what I actually do, and it's simple enough, because it's too complicated to manage individual stocks. So what I do is I give it to the professionals. And when that comes out of their mouth, you need to raise your hand and say, then why am I paying you? I can pay a secretary to fill out name, address, social security number. I can pay a secretary. That's easy. If I'm paying you and it's too complicated, I need to pay the person who doesn't think it's too complicated. This is your financial health, your wealth, the total financial hour. I'm Eric Hallaby, your host, We'll be back after the break. Why are the tax laws written against you? If you're doing this kind of risk, I'll tell you why when we come back. The Total Financial Hour, 888-99-RETIRE. 888-99-RETIRE. Name 870, The Answer. All right, folks, we're back. The Total Financial Hour, M870, The Answer. You're home for news talk, conservative talk, common sense talk, really, if you think about it. Because, you know, one plus one is two. I don't care if you feel like it's six. If I took my gun and left it on the table for 15 years, it's not going to jump up and hurt anybody. Same thing with my car and a knife. And, right, take a look, folks. Take a deep breath. But he wants to run out and start banning things and think, thinks grandmother, grandmother, federal government is there to protect you. Listen, there's a role for the government, of course. I, I gave a list today. I put it out on Facebook. And I said, listen, how did you and I ever grow up and live? Between, ready? Seatbelts, helmets, the pickup truck. You can't get in the back of the pickup truck without a, at all, right? How did I ever survive? Back of a station wagon, we rolled around. How did you ever survive? When you didn't have a helmet on a skateboard, how did you ever survive with a shotgun in the back of your, your deal, right? Through three quarters of the South, these guys, kids would go to school, They go especially during deer hunting season, and then they put their, their gun in the back of their pick. What? A gun at school? Oh my gosh, the world's ending. Maybe, just maybe, the government kind of reaches a little bit. To, listen, everybody can point to, well, my cousin's brother's nephew, their neighbor, was in the back of a pickup truck. And when they slammed on the brakes, they got hit and died. Okay, yeah, I get it. Do you make a law because eight people or 10 or 20? I don't know where the, where the line is. I don't know. It's not my expertise. But when it comes to your personal responsibility, if you think the government is supposed to help you retire, and listen, ready for this? I know some of you that certainly we have a lot of great fans. I love all you guys. Uh, you come up to me on a regular basis at the Wealth Summit recently. 
Uh, you say you listen to the show. I appreciate that. I appreciate your your uh, faithfulness, your comments, even criticisms. I need that. I need that. I want to grow. I want to be better. Sometimes we'll disagree. I'll say no, and you say yes. That's okay. We can do that. But if you think the government has anything to do or the company you work for should have anything to do with your retirement plan, step out of this for a minute. Just step out. Why in the daylights would I trust a company that makes good widgets or that is a school district or is a police department to know anything about health insurance? Why would I say, hey, listen, you're a great maker of of phones. Oh, by the way, you better be taking care of my retirement plan. How about you just make phones and you do really good. And if I like working there, I'm going to keep working there. And if I don't, I'm going to leave. If you're not going to pay me enough money, I'm going to go over to this guy. I'm going to go over to this lady. This company is going to pay me more money. Right? I could do that. But some people believe that the company that they work for is supposed to handle their health insurance. The company that benefits. What benefits? Just do make widgets. That's what you're supposed to be good at. Now companies have an entire department whose job it is to also handle your retirement account. Entire departments whose job it is to also handle your health insurance. What's next? Listen, every once in a while you'll hear what's next. Everybody throws it up to see if they're going to bite. Something's going to bite, right? Maybe the company should handle your auto insurance. Goodness, you drive your car every day to work, back and forth. The company's responsibility is to make sure you have the proper auto insurance. Really? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe. Be very careful when you start giving up those rights because some of you think that it's okay to transfer the responsibility that you have to raise your family the way you want to raise them. I'm not talking about the extremes getting crazy with your... Forget it. No, no. You think the government's job is to peer into your house. I'm a libertarian a lot more in some issues, folks, than I am, you know, a staunch... Listen, I don't want you to do things. I don't want you to... to but there's a, there's a risk there. When is the government's job crossing the line of you and your family's job uh, responsibility, right? That's the, that's the never-ending question on our side of the aisle. All right, here's what I'm saying. Ready? When we talk about your retirement account, then it's your job to make sure that you're getting something when you have fees and risk. Because fees and risks are supposed to get higher rates of return. That's the job, right? I'm going to pay this much so that I can earn this much. Got it. Pay 4% to earn 20. I'll do that deal. Sign me up. But don't lose me 20 or lose me $100,000 and I still paid you a fee. I shouldn't have paid you anything. Son of a, you should be paying me, son of a gun. You lost my money. I trusted you. <laughs> uh, my, my dad's side of the family is from Lebanon. He, he left when he was 17, 18 years old, went to Africa for about 10 years and came to the United States, met my mom. But he's gone back over the years to visit, and we have a lot of cousins and family. If you know my story, you know a lot of these folks uh, lived in our home growing up. So when I started in the financial world, right, uh, 21, 22 years ago, I sat down with one of my cousins, and, and he said, you know, uh, how's the finan- how is it going for you? I said, it's going great. You know, we're helping a lot of families, and the stock market goes up and down, and, and he saw that. And he said, um, I said, why, why don't you go back to Lebanon and, and do what we do, you know, financial. I'll teach you. It's great if you wanted to go back there because the country started returning back to normal, right? The war was over. And he started laughing. He said, Arif, over there, you lose somebody's money. <laughs> you disappear. It's not a good day. It, it, it's not the same here. He goes, Americans are so tolerant when their broker says sorry. Over there, nobody takes sorry. 
they say, where's my money? So I don't know. I don't know if you're a financial uh, professional in Lebanon. It probably isn't the same as the United States. I think there's a little different. Why is it that when I say rich people make the rules, you've heard me say that. Who makes the rules, rich or poor people, right? Everybody goes, ah, oh, rich people. Well, rich people have always made the rules. There isn't a secret. It's not, ooh, my daughter's reading a great book on Cleopatra. It's pretty neat, actually. Right? She was involved with Julius Caesar before Mark Anthony. She chose a side, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and she chose the wrong one. Right? If you know history. But who made the rules back then? Cleopatra, queen of the Nile. She made the rules to benefit herself and her friends, herself and her friends, right? Family. No difference than, than Pol Pot, Allende in Chile, Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, Fidel Castro, Stalin. They all made the rules to benefit themselves and their friends, even the United States of America. But here's the difference. Here is why people will get on boats and planes and, and store themselves into container ships and, and wheel wells of 747s. Why do they do that to come here? Very simply, because the rules apply to everyone. Rich people made them, but they apply to everyone. So when I, I said, you know, I'm tired of being broke. I'm tired of making, working hard. You know, why didn't my dad have this, this success, financial success, that I think his integrity, his hard work, his heart, why didn't he have the kind of success that I think he should have had? He had amazing success. Raised four kids. My mom never had to work. Brought family members over here. Paid off his house. Did very well. But I think my dad should have become a billionaire. That's the kind of heart and hard work and, and ethics that he has. So why not? Because rich people make the rules to benefit themselves and their friends. If you understand that and you do what, what rich people, I'm just going to put quotes, some of you can't see it, air quotes, you do what the people that made the rules do, you have a chance, a greater chance of success. And it's not like, oh, buy my book, buy my set of tapes, right? A lot of the network, the first hour of the show, we talked about pyramid schemes and Ponzi schemes. A lot of those companies made more money not selling the product, but selling their books and tapes. In fact, that's where the money was. You don't have to do that. It's all free these days, guys. It's all on the internet. You're not going to get it from me. I'm not, you, you can get it from anybody, right? Tony Robbins, his book says buy indexed annuities. Susie Orman, if you have to buy something, run away from variable annuities, buy indexed annuities. If you want safety and security, a variable annuity is the least important, the least thing you should ever be doing. In fact, she's not very kind to him. I used to know the page number, but, but what does she say about fixed indexed annuities? You're not going to get great rates of return. You're going to get average rates of return, three to five, I think she said, or five to six or something, whatever it was. Same thing we say, right in the middle. You're not going to hit home runs. So what is it that wealthy people do? If they built the law, this is going to be just you, you doing the math, okay? Let's see if you can follow along. This is a very important part. If they built the rules that say, if I took $100,000 and I bought stock X or real estate Y and I lost my money, I am able to write it off on my taxes, right? I give it to my CPA. She puts it in the formula, says, okay, you can write off this money either over time or take it all today, whatever the formula is. I can write it off on my taxes, right? But if I took that same 100000 and I did it over here in my real retirement account and I bought stock A or real estate Y or mutual fund X or variable annuity Z, whatever, and I lost money, can you write that off on your taxes? No. So let's back up. If rich people wrote the rules, 
and they wrote them so that you can't write that off on your taxes, the losses. Fancy word, fancy word, big, small print, right? And at the end, I just said, just keep it simple. Can I write it off on my taxes? Yes or no? No. I don't know. Then maybe maybe that's not a primary place that they're putting their money. I don't know. What about the fees? You can, you can take your account, your check, and this is how it used to be. Did you know this? You used to, at the end of the year, or at the end of the quarter, your broker would call and say, Mrs. Jones, your fees are $1,000. And you would write a check for 1000 send it off. That comes off your taxes, right? It's a, it's a deduction for your investments. That's what the IRS says, right? Write the check. It's an expense to earn money. And then after a while, they said, you know, when we lost people's money, they're not so happy about writing a check for $1,000. They're like, oh, buddy, you lost fifteen grand. Take it out of that. Click. Instead, what happens is they had to change it. They're scratching their head. They're like, listen, people aren't paying us. And it's not our fault, right? If they're not taking the blame when it goes down, then you can't give them the credit when it goes up. I get it. You just can't give it to them both ways. It's like, hmm, that's a math problem. Carry the one public school. I could do it. Ready? Simple. Today, they take the fees directly from your account. Now, maybe you can make an arrangement to send in the check, I I guess. Maybe some companies will accept it, but people don't. I've never seen it in 20 years. Never. Never seen somebody say, yeah, listen, I know my retirement at my 401k or my my IRA invested at uh, XYZ uh, uh, investment company, but but I write the check. They don't do that. They take it directly from the account. At the end of every quarter, they sell it, put it into the money market account, wash it into the fees. Why, when we were at all-time highs, and maybe some of you did, but I've not seen it, why didn't the brokerage companies take half of your money, I don't know, half, half of your gains of the last five years and move it into safety, move it into the money market account, move it in, send you a check, put it somewhere, I don't know. Why didn't they do that? I don't know, except I know this. The rules say they're not allowed to fee the money that is not at risk. So you have to risk losing your money in order for them to make money. Look at, I, I, maybe that's not everybody. I've not seen it that, that, right? We call up the company. We say, okay, what's the fees? They say, well, the fees are this, but we're not able to fee. Uh, I say, oh, the fees are based on what account? This is the company telling us over the phone. The fees are based on this money, but not what's in the money market account. Oh, okay. So if it's not at risk, can't be feed. Now, I don't know motivation, right? You don't know people's hearts. Here's what I see, though. Is at the end of each month or each quarter, the, the, the client, especially if they have a discretionary account, discretionary means that the brokerage company can make, buy, and sell without having to get a hold of you. They'll say, it's convenient. We can do it. You could be on a plane. You could be asleep. We'll do it. Don't you worry your pretty little head. So what have I seen? The buying and selling of a discretionary account happens, oh, right at the time when just before fees are charged. So in other words, money goes from the money market, no risk, no fee, no rate of return either. I mean, really, 1% or something goes from that and drops into risk. Maybe you can earn a great rate of return, but the guarantee for sure is a fee is possible and will and could be charged. Maybe that's not their motivation. I get it. But just realize that you need to keep an eye 
You need to make sure that what's happening is suitable. Why are we doing this again? Okay, got it. What is the purpose of that? Got it. Why am I paying this fee? Okay. You have to be involved. If you are going to risk losing your financial life, then you have to ask yourself, is it worth it? Here's another kind of bit. We, we turned down three clients this week. Here's why. One of them, actually two of them, had accounts that there was nothing we could do. They were great accounts or at least good enough accounts. Nothing I could do better when they paid any fees to get out of it. I said, where you are is exactly where I would stay. You're doing great. I wouldn't make any changes. No problem. They said, yeah, but are you sure? I mean, one of them, she was trying to get us to, I said, I, I, I wouldn't do it. Maybe not now. Come back in a year because there's an anniversary that comes. There's a reduction in fees. You know, her situation might change. I needed her to save a little bit more money for emergencies. I said, we're just not right for each other right now, but it doesn't mean you can't come back. Certainly keep listening to the program because there's going to be some things maybe you can learn along the way. But give yourself, I, I don't think these are horrible. I don't think they're great, but they're good enough for right now. Great. Another person didn't have enough money for emergencies. And I said, here's part of the problem. You have to have liquidity. You have to have access to the money in case of an emergency. Now, this is important because in your financial life, you need to ensure that what you're doing is protecting dinner tomorrow night, right? The $20 in your pocket, that's for lunch. Got it. The $20 in your retirement account, that, that is for future income a year, 10 years, 20 years later. So don't confuse $20 with $20. There's two different accounts. They each have different jobs to do. But here's where some of the problems come in. Some of you have agents that will talk or convince you to make complaints against other agents. You need to go back and check your gut. Say, is there a reason that this agent is writing complaints, writing up forms, convincing me that of one thing or another? What are they so afraid of? And why do they want to hide? Right? So be careful because there are some guys and gals in the industry that have a little bit less scruples than they should. Maybe they're unsure. Maybe they're not, I don't know, maybe they're not confident. Maybe they're new. Right? Part of this is to make sure that the fees and risks that you're buying is for experience and not just some manager that's in New York or Chicago. All right. I want to wrap up this hour of the program with two things for you. Number one, I want to recap how to make sure you're not going to get taken in a Ponzi scheme. These are things that I think are kind of important because part of an investment scam that happens is they seem to have a trait, all right? And it might not even be a scam. Maybe the underlying product isn't a scam. It just might not be right for you, right? I think you should buy oil and gas exploration futures in the Caribbean, Southern, well, that's fine, but it's not for me. Well, you better. Maybe that person is getting paid extra to push a particular product. So here's part of the problem. Ready? Verify credentials. Remember when I talked about this before, I said, make sure the licenses of what they are, what they have are appropriate for what they're selling. For example, a teller at a bank can sell you a CD all day long, but he cannot sell you real estate unless he's got a real estate license. Same thing with a stockbroker and an insurance guy, right? They have different licenses. They have different policy, uh, different um, um, products that they can offer. 
Okay. Don't chase phantom riches. You've heard me say this before. If it's too good to be true, right? It's such a cliche. But there's an there's a re- average rate of return in the economy for the no risk, if you will, two to three percent average rate of return with the market with with little risk, like we see it in fixed indexed annuities, depending on the time frame. Maybe three, maybe six, maybe eight percent average return. That's the most you can expect right now. In 1999, we were getting 15 percent. Why? Because the market was going crazy. Interest rates were higher. Okay. But for the conditions today, eh, I think 3 to 6%. And ignore this. They, they're so good at this. Well, you know, Mrs. Johnson down the street, Mr. Jones, everybody's doing it. The gentleman that I saw a couple of days ago that came into the office said, uh, my friend was making money hand over fist, and he's the one that told me to go do this. And I talked to his broker, his agent, and he put me in Woodbridge. And of course, I told you, Woodbridge, he lost $50,000. Woodbridge is the financial scam Ponzi scheme where $1.2, $1.5 billion, I think they're still trying to sort it out over the last 60, 90 days. They've come up with it. The SEC, Securities Exchange Commission, says this is a scam. Now, your brokers are saying, don't worry, you'll get your money. It's in reorganization. It's bankruptcy. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. All I can tell you is the IRS and the Securities Exchange Commission and every other three-letter organization uh, that, that is watching this stuff has got their hands in it trying to figure out what's going on. I don't, don't expect to get it back. Bring it to your CPA and say, hey, CPA, is there any place that I can write this off? Maybe you can write it off and make some, uh, you know, get your money back in some form or fashion or at least get a deduction on your taxes. Maybe. All right, bring it up to them. Here's another one. Refuse to be rushed. This is a deal. This is a discount. This weekend only. It's a Memorial Day, President's Day, Labor Day, Easter special, whatever, baloney, no thank you. If you are not comfortable, if you don't feel like it's something you can be doing, then you do your research and come back. Today, everybody has a Google. It's on your devices. You can catch, you can find out anything about anything, good, bad, and ugly. It's everywhere. You can find it. And you make your decision. Your decision. All right. Never feel obligated. Remember I mentioned this before. I had a gentleman before who, who came into the office who said, we are using my dad's financial person. In fact, the, this is the son of my dad's financial guy. My dad's been with him since 1940-something. Uh, the broker passed away. His son has taken over. We don't really like him. We don't really know much about him. However, let me tell you, we feel kind of obligated. Because my dad's still alive and worried about that. And I say, listen, you shouldn't be working with anybody that you feel obligated to work with. I lose probably 1% or 2% of our customers a year, clients a year. That's okay. I mean, it's not okay. I don't want to lose anybody, but, but it's okay. If we are not right for you, you tell me where you want me to send the paperwork. I've worked with people where they think the money is theirs. Right? There's a couple of big companies out there. Try to get your money from Raymond James or Morgan Stanley. Some of those brokers, Edward Jones, they think the money's theirs. They lose their paperwork. They, I can give you horror story after horror story. We do a three-way call. The client yells at them. Oh, my gosh. And then try to work with Fidelity. Super easy. 
And Fidelity used to be the worst one years ago. And today, their customer service, they understand the money's the clients, not theirs. Some of these other companies will make you jump through hoops that are only designed, only designed to make the, difficult, make the process difficult. Arm yourself with information. Today you can get information on any financial product. But remember, sometimes companies that are losing business, right, billions of dollars left the mutual fund and stock market world and went into the insurance and the annuity world and the indexed annuities and the fixed annuities. Why did they do that? Well, because it was time to take some of the winnings off the table. As those billions of dollars that left that industry and went over to, to the safer part, sometimes the industry will put stuff on the, on the websites right, that, that, are, that are not true or that are skewing the facts a, a little bit. Those are bad. We're always good. They're always bad. So do your due diligence. Ask questions. And when people come to me, sometimes they'll say, Hey, Arif, do you have any brochures or literature? I said, I'm just going to tell you, you write it down. They said, well, why don't you just give out brochures? I said, number one is every brochure out there from every company is never going to say anything bad. It's going to have pictures of real pretty couple that are, have a gray hair and they're smiling and they're on their boat or riding their bicycles and, and hiking with their dog. And it, it's always going to say good news. So do your own due diligence. Don't look at the propaganda put out or just put out at least by the company. You could, if you got to look at it, fine. Find some other data. Call the companies directly. Hey, does Arif really work with you? Hey, uh, has he really been you know, licensed with you for this long? Find out. That will help you. We had a gentleman who decided to work with us. We gave him referrals. And we don't tell these people what to say. I said, here's a list of people that we've worked with. You talk to them. If it works for you, great. They're good people. If it's, they say the right things, they say the right things. All right? This is important because these schemes and scams that are out there, you can't make this money back. Right? When you're 50, 60, 70, 75, or 80, what are you going to go back to work? This is your family's finances. Where is the pain? The pain or the gain? What is a bigger deal to you? The pain of losing half your money or making twice the money? I don't know. If you have a million dollars and it becomes 1.5 million, are you going to change your life substantially, run around, fly around in private jets? And uh, maybe, maybe that's your thing. Okay. But if your million dollars becomes 500,000 or 750, are you going to change your life? Are you going to sleep? Are you going to be comfortable when you decide to buy something new for your home or will you think twice? Are you going to have peace of mind? Be very careful. Total Financial Solutions is about protecting your principal and getting reasonable gains. You have a question, you want to reach out to us, 888-997-3847. That's 888-99-RETIRE, and it works all week long. Give us a call at the office if we can help. 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Arif Hallaby. Thanks for listening to the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. The Total Financial Hour, featuring Arif Hallaby, president of Total Financial Solutions, designing higher income strategies with a conservative approach. Protecting your principal and your earnings while getting you reasonable gains and reliable income, making you confident of your retirement income planning. Arif Hallaby has your answer. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.